AIM is a podcast that connects women who are eager to grow in their relationship with God, living out the living word of God each day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back on this other episode. Um, This is Karen Jr. Natalie. And Maria. Uh, Today, we're going to be preparing for you guys (laughs) our last recording our last episode of this liturgy series and we hope you enjoy yeah so i think today we're covering liturgy after liturgy or liturgy outside of liturgy which is a really good ending i think talking about how we just attended this really awesome thing that we just told you for three episodes is really great and means a whole bunch of stuff but also that those things you don't just leave behind those things in this one place that you can walk out, that you receive something um, that, you know, you're different. The the way that you walk out is not the same way that you walked in um, and you carry that back into the world. So exciting conversation today. Yeah. There's a huge, I think, responsibility to in the liturgy outside the liturgy, because we have to be witnesses of what we've seen and heard. Uh, really, like the Bible tells us, it's it's like the transfiguration where the, the disciples were on top of the mountain and they they saw the glory of God in its full extent. And then they came down and they were commissioned with this, you know, the great commission of go and, and tell all nations and preach to all nations what you've seen and heard. And I think this commission both helps us remember what happened and helps us implement liturgy in our lives, but also extends that peace and the love and the grace that we received to others around us. Yeah, so in prior in the weeks before, we talked about how Shmemen describes liturgy as being outside of time, how we've entered into kingdom time. And we spoke about Kairos and we spoke about Kronos. Shmemen tells us, again, like we said before, he, he, he talks about how as Christians, we're not meant to live in delusion. This isn't thinking that the world doesn't exist and everything bad has vanished in our lives when you walk into liturgy. Um, we're not promoting delusion here, but instead he's saying that the church is offering a solution to this con- to this mm-hmm. problem that the world has posed of time. This like paradox of, you know, you, you've got all of the time in the world, but also there's not enough time to do everything. And I know I've said both in my life. Um, and so he says, you know, you start to see when you when you enter back into the world, when you enter back into time, which he describes as being, you know, the first object that we encounter outside of liturgy. He says um, the church offers what the church offers is not a solution as much as it is a gift. And once we start seeing it as a gift, AKA something that's, you know, accepted. He offers a gift and that gift can become solution when it's accepted as freely and joyfully as it is given. Um, and so it's about this, the, the, the same thing that we've been talking about every week of, you know, really changing your mindset and starting to see how everything is offered to you as a gift. And so naturally our response is to offer it back in Thanksgiving Um and the same should be done with time. Love that. I love when he says that um, the liturgy is interested in the world. It's not an escape from it. And it's not, uh, you know, let's let's just reject and retreat away from everything else. But he's saying that it's the, interested in the world's passage into the kingdom of God. He doesn't want the liturgy to conform to the world, but to redeem it. Um, and I think that's beautiful. So he's saying like, 
we don't abandon the world when we go into liturgy, but we ask God, as you said, to offer everything in the world up to him so that he can give it back to us transformed. And this is something we've been saying all the time. Um, and I think it reminds us of like, we are in the world, but not of the world. That concept of we two, like we two who are sojourners in this place, mm-hmm. you know, keep us in your faith and grant us your peace until the end. He even makes like this snarky remark of like, it's actually impossible to put Christ back into Christmas if he has not redeemed or aka made meaningful time itself Hmm. so he really boils this concept of time or or the the volatileness i guess of Hmm. of time that we've ascribed unto it he kind of boils it down to what what we've made christianity become which is really just um like an easter christmas type of understanding he he says um our our the our preoccupation with this modern world and its problem is rooted in in this Christian failure, um, and he says it's because Christians it's because of Christians um, that the world in which we live has literally no time, literally no time, um, and he says the more time saving devices that this world creates the less time that we actually have. And he describes it as the joyless rush, which is interrupted by relaxation. You know, the whole sit back and relax concept. Mm-hmm. And he, and then you take that and he kind of parallels it with how Christ gave us time as gift. And he tells us when Christ rested um, or relaxed, quote unquote, on the Sabbath after creation, it wasn't sit down and do nothing. It was, you know, admire the workmanship. It was a work. It was an act of um, sacrifice almost. Like it's the, he says, he, he describes it as the active participation in the Sabbath delight. Yeah. So he says there's a sacredness and there's a peace there. And that is the fruit of all of your work. And this is the time that you kind of look at it and you celebrate that. Which is so backwards from what the world tells us to do but that's something that we learn from liturgy and we carry back into the world yeah um this sort of reminds me of something that uh saint jerome says he says begin now to be what you will be hereafter and um it really just all of this reminds me of how this is our like our practice uh grounds like this is we are supposed to practice being imitators and images of christ with one another and uh yeah, the liturgy doesn't end at the door when we leave the church, but it's really like we have to bring it, begin practicing those those virtues with our brothers and sisters. Yeah, Schmerman says like uh, the problem with what Christianity has made time to be right now um, is because we relegated the perfection of joy into this inaccessible like void. Like we talk about it like the goal and end of all of our work in some life afterwards um so we're putting a lot of effort and work for some sort of future goal whereas the joy and the gift is given to us in the now like that's kairos kairos is um we are now currently lifting up our hearts we are currently now standing in front of the throne when we worship with the cherubim and the seraphim this is happening now when it's easter and you're in um the easter liturgy like the reenactment this is very much now and so it puts things into perspective because kingdom time is now 
repentance and confession is because kingdom time is now, not repentance and confession because in the future, I want to make sure that I'm covered. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's exactly the kingdom of God is within you. Like, yes, the kingdom of God will be perfected and brought to completion at, you know, the second coming. And that's when eternal life will, will continue. But it starts from now. Wow. Yeah. Another topic, if we're ready to go, um, that I, I love Shmemen emphasizing in liturgy outside the liturgy in his book is the concept of the triangle between liturgy, theology, and piety. And he says that we cannot separate these three. Um, and he describes liturgy as sort of the base of that triangle out of which we learn our theology and out of which we can practice our piety, but that those three are inseparable. And liturgy kind of brings together, brings them together again. So it reunites them. Um, he says, if you take, for example, theology and piety separated from liturgy, then theology is just imprisoned in its own data and information and propositions. And piety, it's just a bunch of like liturgical experiences that all are cute and, and nice to, you know, experience, but don't actually do, do anything outside of themselves. And then he's like, if you take liturgy alone, all you have is beautiful and mysterious ceremonies. If you have um, theology alone, we know that that's very intellectual. You know, the like professors in university who are theologians, quote unquote, but aren't necessarily practicing this piety and this liturgy. And then finally, if you take piety alone, then it loses its living content and term of reference. So it's really like the liturgy outside the liturgy is for us to combine our worship in our homes, our piety outside um, to people around us and what we do in church all together. Wow. You just reminded me right now of um, something St. John Chrysostom said that I have saved. He says, let your soul breathe a spiritual fragrance so that you may give the greatest benefit both to yourself and to your companions. So our soul, while we continue to breathe a spiritual fragrance, for example, liturgy, for example, like Bible study, all everything that fills us up, it has a purpose like where we don't just take it in and like you know and and it's sort of like I always think of how God always gives in abundance and so like if you hold it in you're just gonna explode like you're gonna overflow with like you know you have to do something with it and it's um as St. John Chrysostom reminds us it's for our benefit and those around us that's so beautiful, Karen. You're reminding me of something Father Matthew the Poor says actually that God will only continue to give to you like to the extent that you're willing to offer to others. Um, so even the message and the beauty that you receive in your quiet time, for example, it's meant to be shared to others. Otherwise he will kind of not stop giving you out of like punishing you, but you know, the, the purpose of it is that whatever you receive is to extend to others. So that was really beautiful. I was just going to mention that yesterday I rewatched the movie man of God with my family and it is like, a crazy beautiful movie i recommend everyone to watch it for those who are not familiar with the story as i was before watching it it's about saint nectarius uh, who is uh who was a greek metropolitan very very much persecuted and slandered by his greek orthodox church in the early 1900s and then eventually after his death they recognized him as a saint um and that triangle that shaman speaks about a piety liturgy and theology was so evident like the movie so well done and you can see it in the movie but also just in his lifetime i feel like if he was such a pious saint, like such a saint, but if, if it weren't for his theology, like of his deep understanding of who Christ is, and if it weren't for his participation in liturgy, I, I don't know if this piety would have been able to um, suffice all the persecution that he endured and, and received. Like, 
yeah, so it's just the liturgy teaches us to the, the, the extent of the sacrifice, of seeing Christ himself sacrificed on the altar um, and then seeing all of those, you know, like complete each other, I think is, is so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, guys, whoever is listening to this, this movie, yeah. you need to watch it. <laughs> like you must watch it. <laughs> it's it's your emo homework. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's, it yeah, it's so beautiful because it shows you... Mm, yeah, me too. I like gained a new intercessor. I loved how much the movie emphasized his own like liturgical life. Like him, like it showed a lot of him praying the liturgy and a lot of him at home praying. And then out of that, you could see the the outflow to others. Out of that, you can see how much he can forgive and serve and love. You know, um, yeah. it showed both both sides of him. Yeah. Um, Shmaman says the church is in time and its life in this world is fasting fasting that is a life of effort sacrifice self-denial and dying mm. and so it's all of those things that you'll see probably in the movie when you mm. watch um and that's how the church can can the church as in the body of christ can really fulfill its mission outside of liturgy which is as shamaman describes it to become all things to all men to see mm-hmm. Christ alive in all things to all men. Um, There's this really cool comparison that he gives between the, the spiritualist and then the social justice warrior, like the activist. And he's like, the spiritualist will be like, all that's happening in the world is garbage. Let me just go to church and pray and escape mm-hmm. it all. And then the activist will say, don't waste your time in liturgy and in, in praying because there's work that needs to be done. But then Shmaman will, will talk to us about how the liturgy combines those two. And again, teaches us where to start in order to know where to end. Um, and it's, yeah, just, again, I, I like what you said, Natalie, like the mission that extends to the world, that if we transform everything in our lives as liturgy, then we no longer see our work life as separate from our church life. None, none is a wasted time and none is even like, you know, a specific time. It's all the, the redeemed time. Exactly. It's it's the perfect example of like liturgy is the perfect image of one life centered around Christ. So Shmaman says um, he in this chapter um, in For the Life of the World, he talks about all of the um, events in, that occur in the liturgical calendar of the church. So he talks about feasts and the kind of the purpose of feasts. And then he talks about, you know, um, like our daily prayers and then he'll talk about um he'll just go through kind of the calendar um and then he went specifically in one part into liturgy where he just where he where he talks about um matins matins versus vespers and for matins he says we discover life in the darkness of the morning which in and of itself is like a sentence that threw me in a loop um but he says the church announces every morning that God is the Lord and she begins to organize life around it, around God. Mm. And so it's that wow. idea of that's like, that's what you're going to liturgy to do, not to forget the life that exists outside of church, but to kind of recenter yourself again, reorient yourself mm-hmm. and then organize your life around him again. Yeah. Yeah, he says, I think we discussed it before, but the idea of 
liturgy re restoring our priesthood role of, of no longer being consumers of every object and of every person around us in the world, but to offer them to God as a sacrifice, just like the priest does. Um, so he says, liturgy heals our eyes inside the temple of the church so that outside of the temple, we see everything as God intended it to, to be seen. So no longer as an object of my consumption, for example, but as something that is created and beautiful by God and as something that points us towards the creator. Um, so yeah, so liturgy heals in order for us to, to live outside of the world in a healed way. Well, Shreman says something so beautiful. Um, he says, for centuries, we have preached to the, to the hurrying people. Your daily rush has no meaning, but accept it. Um, and you will be rewarded in another world for by an eternal rest. But God revealed and offers us eternal life and not eternal rest. And God revealed this eternal life in the midst of time and of its rush as the secret meaning and its goal. And thus he made time and our work in it, so time and the work that we put into it, um, into the sacrament of the world to come, the liturgy of fulfillment and ascension. And so it's the idea of like, this is very much in the now, and he's not promising um, smooth sailing, but he promised a work um, that is sanctified in the now. Um purely because you're doing it in, in a time that is his, and in, in, you're doing it in kingdom time. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I have nothing else to add to that, except, you know, he is alpha, omega, he is beginning and end. He makes all things new. Um, it's only in him that we find fulfillment in the work of our day-to-day -day lives. And, you know, in our social lives, in our service, in the problems that we encounter between people, um, socially, at work, what, like whatever it may be. I'm just thinking personally right now. Um, but practically speaking, like you enter liturgy, you reorganize your life around him. Um, he becomes the core and the center of it once again. And then suddenly you realize and you walk out and you, the prayer is that you see life through different eyes um, and that you start to receive everything and see things as a gift that was created by him. And so you go forth into the world, back into the world um, with the gift in you, um, treating all things as gift. <laughs> I think that's the hard part for me. <laughs> Yeah, it's never easy. But it's okay, because we were never promised easy. <laughs> I think that's like a fake delusional thing that we told ourselves and convinced ourselves of, but easy was never promised. Yeah. There's this beautiful quote. I actually mentioned on the podcast before in the resurrection episode, but it's exactly what you said in that um, also from Shreman, he says, when the Christian liturgist returns back to church a week later, um, it is to bring the whole world back to the altar in a thankful oblation. So every Sunday, every eighth day, the liturgists drag mm -hmm. behind themselves the goods and virtues they have collected over the past week, <laughs> their marriage, 
the work of their citizenship that they've been building, the culture they've been constructing, the beauties they have enjoyed, the sorrows they have endured, and they delivered their they deliver their world to the foot of the altar. And then there's this bi-directional traffic in every liturgy. How you offer, he gives it back to you in a whole new way. So I love what you, you mentioned, Natalie, about like our, our time is not meaningless, even the tedious menial tasks of our life. Um and he's like, we see that in a very, the church teaches it to us in a very uh, like substantial way when we see the water, oil, bread, hand laying, icons, incense, brick and glass being transformed, right? Even the assembled bodies coming out as a transformed body of Christ. And so everything in, in our material world comes out with a new reverence when we offer it up in liturgy and we bring it back to us. So everything that is, I think, that we endure and that we live through life in has to be offered in liturgy and in thankfulness in order for Christ to transform it. But he doesn't snatch it out of our hand. I think he just waits for us to offer it up to him. Mm -hmm. Wow. In the series I was listening to, they were talking um, about giving thanks and they were saying, you know, we, we stand there and every liturgy we say, um, we thank you for every condition for any condition in whatever condition. And they were saying, you start to pray that. And then uh, he realized quickly there was this one situation that happened that he paused and, and he thought to himself, I can't thank God for that. I'm not thankful for that. And he said, what it really boils down to at the end of the day is if there's something that you cannot thank him for, then it's because you don't believe that he is God over that thing. Wow. Um, and so it's this idea of God won't snatch it out of you, but in as much as you see him in all things, um, he will reveal himself to you more, I think, in that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a very like a side thing, but like, it's almost like when I sometimes when I'm praying our father and I'm like, as I try to forget those who just got against me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Jesus you know <laughs> I'm trying but it, it feels almost like I can't pray our father like it's no there's mm. something wrong and it's awesome though that we have that opportunity every week in the liturgy to reconsider like am I really thankful for everything like what about this one thing that's not addressed or that I mm. haven't thought of um that I've kind of just pretend pretended didn't exist you know and it, it comes up and it really is an opportunity for us to to um examine ourselves i was going to move on to like just on a very practical level so i'm glad you you said what you said before i moved on but like the liturgy outside of the liturgy is truly just our service and not just our service actually but like part of it is is our service our offering of ourselves us becoming a sacrifice to the world and so as natalie keeps mentioning for example us sacrificing our time also us sacrificing our bodies our lives our our, our money, you know, like on very practical levels, this is what it means to continue this liturgy outside of the liturgy to those in need. Um, St. Paul, or I should I should mention, so I was listening to a sermon by Father Peter Farrington, and it's titled Everything is Liturgy on Upper Room Media, highly recommend. Anyway, he was saying, every time you see the word ministry or service in the New Testament, it is also indicative of liturgia or public service, like work of the people. So he's saying, the word, for example, used in 2 Corinthians 9.12, where he says, he says, for the administration of the service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. So this, this liturgia that you offer to the poor, to the people in need, to the body of Christ. Um, 
even when he says like the the work and and self, like the the sacrifice and liturgy of your faith in Philippians all of this is is truly our liturgy our work of the people which is what liturgy is and so uh saint saint john chrysostom will say something so beautiful he's like do you want to honor christ's body then don't this is like very direct very saint john chrysostom but he says after having honored him in in church with church vestments and the gold and the silver that you have do not let him die of cold because it's the same person who said um it's, it's the same body and blood that you're honoring who also said you saw me hungry and you did not feed me or you saw me naked and you did not clothe me and so really we do have an obligation as christians as now the you know activists after having lived through the spiritual life to actually supply to the the poor and the needy and those who are um in need of anything around us well yeah when when we say like a mercy of peace a sacrifice of praise we're talking about ourselves like we are that sacrifice of praise we should be carrying out that lifestyle of peace everywhere we go outside and we should offer our bodies truly as a sacrifice so whether that is in our service of sunday school um or you know anything we do within the church but also everything that we do outside of the church which again is just a very practical reminder i think for me that our work yani our actual work is and offering to god is a sacrifice to god it's so funny how we've gone through this series and we've slowly realized that every line in liturgy is actually very personal uh, mm. not one time is there anything generic being said but everything is meant for you personally yeah, yeah. so this is from a book called the eucharist <laughs> um and the last chapter is called go in peace and it were like uh, contemplates on on when when the priest says you know like we finished the liturgy now we said everything go in peace um he says go in peace you who are offered to a disturbed and worried world preaching the lord's death and resurrection go in love you who are offered to every person in a world of segregation selfishness and egoism proclaiming the lord's resurrection go in christ's grace by which you are sanctified with rivers of living water flowing out of you to quench the thirst of a world corrupted by sins to quench the hunger and the thirsting of the life that is around you in christ go now bearing light witnessing for sanctity fulfilling the laws of love until you come here again for another journey of repentance and sanctification wow yeah i love how practical and beautiful it is so with that um thanks everyone for listening we'll try to have all our resources on um on the website and as not said like i hope this is just the beginning of of all of us being encouraged to contemplate every liturgical word and rite and tradition we have because our church is so rich and truly everything applies to our life yeah natalie would you like to to take over this week sure yeah. <laughs> in the name of the father the son the holy spirit one god amen thank you lord for being in the midst for for dwelling in us even though we haven't made the most optimal home for you at all times lord thank you for being present teach us to see you in all things lord in all people at all times to live life truly in liturgy to walk with you and to work with you and to serve with you to do all things that we do in life with you lord
to truly live out the mission that you've set forth for us, Lord, not for any future gain, but for, but simply to, to live in your presence. Take us and take our work unto yourself and bless it and sanctify it and return it back to us, Lord, beautiful, the way that you do most all things, Lord. Although we are unworthy, Lord, we're confident in your grace and we are faithful unto you, Lord, and we know that you will give it to us anyways because you are kind and you are loving even when we forget, Lord. You are still faithful to us. Teach us to be patient and to be long-suffering just as you were and to live out every day according to your will, Lord. Let us walk only in the way that you have ordained. Let us desire no other way, Lord. Take our senses and our mind and bless it and make it a perfect sacrifice for you, Lord. And give it back to us the way in which you want us to live it out, to live all things out through the intercessions of St. Mary, St. Mary Magdalene, St. Mary of Bethany, all the choir of your saints, Lord, let us pray with all thanksgiving. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Whether you'd like more information on resources used in this episode, want to suggest a topic, or leave your feedback, please visit our website, amosher.com. And even if you just want to talk, feel free to reach out to one of your AIM sisters. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening and follow us on our Instagram and Facebook pages.